This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Thursday night edition. Glad to have you with us. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us on the program tonight, we'd love to hear you. We have got plenty to talk about with college basketball, of course, NFL playoffs coming up this weekend, continuing with their second weekend of play. Boy, the American public, the sporting public, is eating up the playoffs, television ratings for many of the games they have been through the roof. And we can always talk uh, college football with you as well. Shane Beamer is going to talk to the media on Saturday at halftime of the basketball game at the Colonial Life Arena. First time we will have had a chance to talk with him since the uh, signing day. Yeah, since the December signing. No, 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 since the bowl game. I guess the bowl game came after that. Would have been since the bowl game. He's going to do something with the media after he addresses the crowd at halftime. The old Steve Spurrier Let's talk to the crowd at halftime deal and let's parade out the players. And I have a pretty good feeling that the uh, the trophy from the Palmetto Bowl will be uh, brought out on the table as well and shown to all. Would have been nice to have won that Gator Bowl to be able to show off that Gator Bowl trophy, but uh, that, that resides up in South Bend, Indiana right now. So look forward to that. One little piece of news that we picked up here late this afternoon, and I don't have much detail except that we're told by a source that there was a meeting today i'm going to say i i don't know if it was on the usc campus i am presuming it involved uh, usc officials and perhaps uh, uh, attorney or attorneys for trajan jeffcoat as that situation was uh, discussed today that's all i know i don't know what what came of it i don't know when it's going to be resolved I am told that um, if things don't work out for him at South Carolina, he could land at perhaps Alabama. He could land at perhaps Tennessee. Uh, Those are some other schools that have been waiting in the wings. He wants to go to South Carolina, but the fallback would be uh, something like that. So nothing resolved totally uh, at this point. I don't have any other details. You know, I can say – I think with uh, with certainty, I've seen a lot of stuff written around about this story. And as we've talked about previously, it's not an academic thing. It's not a, uh, a thing involving law enforcement. Uh, there's nothing, uh, there's no law breaking here. Um, it's not an SEC thing. This is not something that the SEC is, is holding up from what I understand. So it's, it's totally beyond all of that. So wait and see what happens there in that in that case, but that's what we uh, that's what we know as of late this afternoon. Let's welcome in Chris Bergen. Uh, Chris has got basketball tonight over at the HTC Center in Conway. It's Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State in um, Sunbelt Conference action. 
He'll join us here for a few minutes tonight before he gets on to his broadcast duties. Welcome in, sir. Hello, sir. And if Jeff Coat ends up going to, say, Tennessee, how frustrating would that be for South Carolina? You've got a kid who wants to come to play for you, and he'll end up playing at two division rivals in the SEC throughout his career as opposed to adding him for that one season. And as you pointed out a couple of times as we've discussed this story, Phil, a plug-and-play guy for them to replace Jordan Burks. This would be a big-time miss if the Gamecocks can't get this done. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's – um. For, again, I'm just going off what I what I've been told, and this is totally out of the reach of the athletic department. This is not a Ray Tanner thing. It's not a Shane Beamer thing. It's it's way on up the ladder from them, and um, I mean, all they can do is urge that it get done in their favor. Uh, but they're powerless when it comes to this thing. It's totally out of their hands. So it's wow. it's other people involved here, and um, as I mentioned. Back when we talked about it early in the week, this you know, dates back to something that occurred early in his career at Missouri. And uh, so trying to get it resolved. They're trying to get it resolved in a positive way for uh, for the kid who wants to go to South Carolina. I guess he's not a kid. For the young man who wants to go to South Carolina and for South Carolina who would welcome him with open arms as far as football is concerned because they need, like you said, a, a plug-and-play type guy to go in there at the – the defensive end position. So we'll keep a, a watch on it, and we'll pass along stuff as as we hear it. What's your situation there tonight with Coastal trying to get back on the winning track after taking a, a, a whipping at Georgia State last time out? Game plan for Saturday was scrapped midway through because Georgia State was not supposed to be able to shoot the three field. They shot 16 threes. <laughs> to say the least, that game plan that Coastal had planned for them did not work at all. But uh, tonight, probably no more competitive and more frustrating series for Coastal than the matchup with Appalachian State. The last four games, finals were 64-61 in overtime, 61-60, 84-76 in overtime, and two weeks ago, 63-62. And every time Appalachian has won the uh, matchup, they've actually won five in a row lead this series 10 games to a three with Coastal. It's just one of those teams that Coastal has no luck against. That for whatever reason, they're as talented as Appalachian. That doesn't really scare you with their, their offense, but they do scare you on the defensive end of the floor. They're one of the nation's best and the top scoring defense in the Sun Belt. And it'll be a challenge today. An interesting side note, both teams without their leading scores tonight, Jamaro Brown is going to miss his third consecutive game for Coastal. Meantime, Tyree Boykin, who leads the way for Appalachian State, he injured a foot, it appears, during their Thursday game last week. He did not play against Troy in a contest they held the Trojans to 45 points. And so he'll be out tonight as well. So in a game where you would think offense is going to be at a premium, missing the two leading scorers on either side might make this a lot more low-scoring game than we anticipated. It may be first team to 55 mm. wins tonight. <laughs> well, a win is a win, and Coastal Carolina would certainly uh, take that win as they try to stay in the hunt there in the, in the Sun Belt. But they need to take advantage of this opportunity at home and get back on the winning track and try and stay in the, the upper half of the league race at this point. Well, what's funny, you look at the uh, Sun Belt, they come in to tonight's game, Coastal does, two games off the pace. 
Nobody in the league is better than four and two, and Arkansas State is the worst at one and five, but you've got six teams, two, three, four, five, yes, six teams tied for first at four and two. Then you have three more teams tied for second, or I guess seventh place, actually, at three and three, and then you have Coastal in a log jam with Georgia State, South Alabama, Old Dominion, uh, at two and four, and then Arkansas State, Appalachians at three and three. So, Phil, in, in two games' time, Coastal could go from the bottom half of the league all the way to the top with a pair of wins tonight and then also against South Alabama on Saturday. All right, we'll see if they can uh, get it done. Meantime, uh, Clemson at home on Saturday. Tigers getting ready to take on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has hit uh, a bit of a slide. They lost last night at Virginia. at six straight losses for Virginia Tech, and I think if my memory's right, I think Clemson went up to Blacksburg and won a little while back in the season, earlier in the season, and so they'll meet on Saturday at Little John Coliseum. It was Virginia over Virginia Tech, 78-68, to so Virginia Tech falls to 11-7, and and I want to double-check my notes here about that. Uh, yeah, they lost to Clemson back on January 4th, uh, 68-65, and they've been on quite the quite the slide here with the one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, six straight losses. So, you know, Mike Young's going to have those guys uh, fired up. Certainly, playing Clemson is important to him. Going back to his days at Wofford, and um, but you know, uh, Clemson coming off that loss to uh, Wake Forest also realizes they want to stay atop the ACC, and and not have people say, okay, here we go, same old Clemson, by putting one loss on top of another. Uh, they need to come out and play well, and they need a, health, a healthy Chase Hunter on Saturday night. Didn't have him for that loss against Wake Forest. I was going to ask you if we've seen anything, and I realize they're a couple of days out from the game, but with regards to the injury front for them, talked about Hunter, maybe is he available for Saturday? That'd be a big big deal for them obviously they missed him considerably against wake forest on on tuesday night and also how much longer are they going to have to be without the services of alex hemingway once they get him back where he's able to go then you start trying to work him back into the rotation it may take several ball games before hemingway is actually a full-fledged member of the team after being out as long as he has been yeah also last night pittsburgh beat louisville 75 54 louisville is two and 17 two and 17. That is, for that proud program, that's hard to believe. It really is. It's something we hit on a few weeks back when we were talking about them, Phil. And I guess, obviously, NCAA sanctions can derail any really good program. But for Louisville to be as bad as they are right now, it's just hard to fathom. We would have, Those of us who have been around college basketball, as long as you and I and Pat have been, to remember those teams from the 80s through the 90s and now into the 2000s, that, I would have never envisioned Louisville falling off the cliff the way they have this year. In the SEC last night, Auburn, which plays in Columbia on Saturday afternoon, they beat LSU down in Baton Rouge 67-49. to Auburn is 15-3. and uh, Really good once again. You had Missouri, which was down to Arkansas much of the game, playing in Columbia, Mizzou, and the Tigers come back to win at 79-66. They're 14-4, and and Arkansas falls to 12-6. and And it was Texas A&M over Florida. Texas A&M, after that shaky start on the season, has been red hot, 13-5 and overall. They beat Florida 54-52, and uh, the Gators – 
having a bit of a tough go of it right now. But Texas A&M has won, looks like one, two, three, four, five, seven in a row. I mentioned the slow start that they had. I mean, they had some early losses, but they have put it together. So they are undefeated in SEC play. They have beaten Florida twice. They've beaten LSU. They've beaten Missouri. And they've beaten South Carolina. And Saturday, we'll see what they're all about now. They'll play at Kentucky on Saturday afternoon at uh, 2 o'clock. And, of course, the the Wildcats, after beating um, Tennessee last weekend in in Knoxville, kind of feeling like uh, maybe they've figured some things out. Uh, and then they beat Georgia on Tuesday, 85-71. So maybe, you know, maybe South Carolina got Kentucky at just the right time because it sounds to me like the sleeping dog might be awake now. And so we'll see what happens there, Texas A&M and Kentucky on Saturday. By the way, from Tuesday, uh, Tennessee bounced back, beat Mississippi State 70-59. And it was Alabama all over Vanderbilt, 78-66. Alabama is, uh, is, going, is going great right now. They are 16-2. and two. Well, I tell you, you're an Alabama fan. You got to feel good about things with your football team. Even though they didn't win the national championship, you know, you still played in the Sugar Bowl and, and won it. And, um, and now your basketball team is going great guns as well. All right. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number to reach us here on Sports Talk. And did you know, since 2002, more than 2.1 million lottery-funded scholarships such as Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships have been awarded to South Carolina students. You can learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at seeducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. Of course, tonight the USC women will be in action and they'll be playing at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not very good, so this should be a blowout for the women. College of Charleston tonight playing up at Monmouth. Monmouth, this has been one of the, along with Louisville, to me, this is one of the strange occurrences of the season. Monmouth, King Rice, and they've had pretty good teams. They are 1-17 and 17 on the year. Charleston is 19-1. and one. Uh, the Citadel playing at UNC Greensboro as well. And uh, Clemson women hosting Notre Dame. And uh, we'll be back after this break. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Think big, life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next-level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? (laughs) Right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
We are uh, back with you here on Sports Talk. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. If you'd like to join us, love to have you with us. We'll have recruiting coming up for you in our second hour, and we will have a visit from Mike Morgan as well coming up in hour number two at 7.05. Morgan on the move. In fact, Mike, was he was in Columbia. Did he call you, Pat, and invite you out for lunch or anything, brunch? Maybe uh, some wine and cheese. Did y'all get together while he was in town? I, I didn't get a phone. Chris, did you get a? I didn't get a phone call. Chris, did you get a phone call? I did not. Yeah, Pat, how I, about I'm you? Not, did you get a I phone did call? Not yeah, so yeah, that's typical. Morgan comes to town, you know, eats our food, takes our money, steals our women, and goes back to Atlanta. That's what he does. So um, we will have him uh, with us at at seven oh five. As far as um, as far as anything else of uh, importance today, it's been pretty, pretty quiet day as far as I can tell, uh, for the most part. Um, looking to see if we have any other notes to pass along. We'll have a full recruiting report coming up. South Carolina's getting ready for a, a weekend of recruiting with their junior day. Clemson will have their junior day coming up uh, next week. So South Carolina's having a bunch of folks in this weekend, and Clemson will do so next weekend. And... Um, what you got, Pat? You got something to share? Yeah, I got one note, uh, especially newsworthy for Clemson fans out there. Notre Dame head basketball coach Mike Bray announced uh, about middle of the afternoon today that he's going to step down at Ooh. the end of this season. So this will be his final run, capping a 23-year run in South Bend, in which he became the winningest coach in the men's basketball program history. They're having a bit of a, a bit of a struggle this year. They're nine and ten, and currently sit 13th in the ACC. Uh, the Tigers face the Irish just once this year. And it's actually going to be Senior Day up in Clemson, so the the season home finale on March the fourth. Yeah, he's a heck of a coach. Um, he he served at Duke for several years with Chashevsky, and then went on his way and uh, built a, a really solid program at Notre Dame. A lot of times, people tried to lure him away, but they could not could not pull him away from Notre Dame. So, you know, I, I got to think. I, I, I'm thinking about these high school coaches, and now I'm thinking about these college coaches too, Chris. Like we're seeing these high school coaches, some are retiring or some are being forced out, but I'm wondering the impact of COVID in 2020 and everything, the toll that took on everybody uh, emotionally and physically and trying to hold your programs together. And now I'm wondering too, are these veteran coaches, um, if they, of course, he's been around a long, long time. Maybe it's just time, but maybe they don't want to get all involved in what's going on with college athletics now with the NIL stuff and having to having to approach recruiting in a whole new way compared to what they've been used to in Mike Bray's case for the better part of 20 years as a head coach. You know, it's interesting you bring up COVID, and I had not considered that as a possibility, but I think that took a lot out of everybody because most basketball teams, if not all basketball teams, after 2020 were affected by it, and heck, we're still seeing uh, athletic programs affected by it even today. But I think, Phil, and, and I looked up Mike Bray's 63, 62, 63, which, yeah, as you look at it from the outside, sounds like he's getting on up there. But keep in mind, Cliff Hillis is coaching into his mid-70s here and still seems as spry as ever. I think the transfer portal is having as big an influence as coaches leaving the game as anything else. I'm not so sure name, image, and likeness bothers them nearly as much as the fact Mike Bray not only has to go out and recruit new players every year, he's also got to re-recruit his own players. And I think that wears on these guys. And 
Uh, we're going to start seeing, I think, a lot of the veteran coaches step down a lot sooner than they would have ever planned because, in, in, at least in my opinion, the transfer portal is making their job twice as hard as it ever was. I would agree with that. I mean, especially the mid-major programs like a Coastal. I mean, look at the players. You can name them. Look at the really good players over the last three years that they developed and helped them become good players who moved on to bigger programs. You had one go to Michigan. You had one go to South Carolina, and I'm sure there were others. Well, Rudy Williams right now, I think, starts at BYU. If not, he's the first guy off the bench, and he's a major contributor for the Cougars. He played here last year, so you're right. It's not just the Power Five or the, the high majors that are dealing with this. It's probably even more so at the level that Coastal and Appalachian State play. And I'll give you another good example. There's a kid up at Marshall. Seven foot, one inch tall. His name is Micah Hamlockton. He probably will be the player of the year in the Sun Belt. If not, he'll certainly be first team all Sun Belt performer. I was talking to their radio guys when we were up there two weeks ago, and they said when they recruited him, and of course that's Dan D'Antoni's team, mm -hmm. when he recruited him, he anticipated him being a project because of his size, and it may have slipped through the cracks. Some of the bigger schools missed him. But as quickly as he has developed, and he is a key cog to a team that I think is probably the best team in the Sun Belt, he's probably not going to be at Marshall after this season. Certainly may not go to the NBA, but there's going to be a lot of bigger schools that are going to come calling for him because who can't use a 7-1 player who can move, who can shoot, who can block shots, who can rebound like crazy. I mean, he had 20-19 and 19 against Coastal a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the kid is obviously a miss in, in some regards. A great job by Dan D'Antoni to be able to pull him out, but he's going to be one, I think, that will exit the uh, Sun Belt after this year. Yeah, and you and I were talking earlier today about the College of Charleston, what a great year they are having, and uh, Pat Kelsey, and, you know, He's doing a great job there, um, and you know his name's going to be bounced around. It already is. I see where Jeff Goodman is saying that one name he would expect to be in the mix at Notre Dame, Pat Kelsey. So he's doing this. This is the double-edged sword you face as a fan of the Cougars or a program like that. You do a great job. You have a great year. Then you got to worry about a bigger fish coming, coming along and gobbling him up. When you look at the, uh, and this is not a knock on them, but it's obvious, look at what Winthrop has done since he left. They're not nearly the program they were when he was coaching there. And if Pat Kelsey's a Midwestern guy, that, that makes perfect sense to me. And if I'm Notre Dame, I make a strong push for him. I think that'd be a genius hire for them up there because of the energy. Not that Mike Bray may have lost a step or two energy-wise, but nobody's going to bring more energy into that basketball program, which has a very, very rich tradition that Pat Kelsey's going to. I don't want to see him leave the state because I think he's a terrific coach, and I love watching his team play. But when an opportunity like that calls, I can't imagine he would turn that down. And one more note here before we hit the break. You know, we had the story uh, out yesterday. Steve LaPrade was had resigned as the football coach at Fort Dorchester, and the early story said he was staying on as the athletics director. But David Shelton, with a tweet this afternoon, this evening, through a source, he confirmed that LeBrand is no longer the AD at Fort Dorchester. So, don't know what – I'm sorry, LeBrand. I said I meant LeBrand, not LeBrand. LeBrand, Steve LeBrand, no longer the AD at Fort Dorchester. So, um, boy, yeah, Jerry Brown one day, Steve LeBrand, the next two Hall of Fame coaches coaching uh, down the street from one another and out of coaching now within about 24 hours. It is – 
unprecedented, I think. Normally when these guys leave, they leave first off on their own terms, and we kind of anticipated it coming. You know, Jackie Hayes' final year at Dillon, I think we all knew that was coming. John McKissick's last year at Somerville, I think we all anticipated this. You can go back to Keith Richardson at Clinton and, and uh, Coach uh, Varner up at Woodruff. I mean, some of the legendary names in our state, but to have two or three of these dominoes fall in a week's time, Phil, is, is clearly unprecedented. And as I mentioned last night, there are some outstanding jobs available high school-wise in our state, and they're going to be tough shoes to fill for sure at Wren, certainly at Fort Dorchester and down at Berkeley. Okay, I'm seeing a, a tweet that was retweeted from, must be from Raymond Aldridge. So maybe he's a, an administrator, maybe principal or something at Fort Dorchester saying that he can share that Steve LaPrade has resigned from his role as AD and they will conduct a search for a new AD. They appreciate his hard work uh, and the difference he made for generations of students in a career that spanned 45 years. We'll work with Coach LaPrade to arrange an opportunity to celebrate his service to our community. Yeah, that's from the principal. So... 45 years, maybe he was just ready to give it up. You go get him tonight, Chris, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Sounds great, guys. And we'll be right back. We are back on Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel now, the Dave and Buster Studios here in downtown Columbia. Don't forget about Dave and Buster's. Eat, drink, play, and catch all the big games all season long. Dave and Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. Got some lines open for you right now. And the number is 888 2525 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number into Sports Talk. Tonight, been talking some college basketball and looking ahead to what's coming up uh, this weekend and the games that are coming up tonight. NFL playoffs as well coming up this weekend. Boy, I tell you what, the way the playoffs have started, this weekend is going to be just terrific. I think we're going to see some really tight finishes once again. You know, Trevor Lawrence in particular with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the way they came from behind to beat the Chargers the way he overcame four interceptions. Think about that. He threw four picks in the first half and still managed to rally his team. First of all, I've always liked Doug Peterson as a coach. Always have liked him. You know, he was with the Packers for a while, went to the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. Always liked him as a coach. So he held that thing together at halftime. I, I mean, what could you say to your team when you turned it over that much? I guess you said, look, we played so badly and we're only down 27 points, okay? That's only four possessions. So defense, you stop them. And offense, you score about every time. We'll come back and win this game. And they listened to him because that's about what they did. But what a growing up moment for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, think about what that does for his confidence and also for um, ETN, for Travis ETN, who had the huge run that set up the winning field goal. Um, and he looked so Clemson-like Travis ETN on that run. You know, kind of dipped his shoulders toward the middle, then broke it outside around the end, his speed, outrunning everybody to the edge and then taking off and picking up some crucial yardage. So for those former Clemson guys, it was a big, big game. 
and we'll see what they do now coming up this weekend. Uh, obviously, stepping up in competition, it's gonna be it's gonna be tougher. But that was a big growing up moment for Trevor Lawrence, and for that organization. Now they've got to feel really good about their future. They've got a quality head coach who knows what he's doing. They've got an owner with plenty of money. None of the shenanigans that they had with Urban Meyer that they have to worry about. And you've got a quarterback that if you keep him healthy and you give him a good offensive line and you you have uh, the accompanying quality parts around him, I mean, you're going to be set there for the next dozen years at Jacksonville. That's the benefit, of course, of having the worst team one year and having the first pick. And one more thing that I think a lot of fans have forgotten, I had until just a couple of days ago, you know another big-name receiver that the Jaguars have, but he was suspended this year? There's your hint. That'll just add to his weapons next year, Trevor Lawrence. It was a, it was a nearby guy, but not the Panthers. Think another nearby NFL team. Go ahead. Calvin Ridley. Calvin oh. Ridley was traded. He went from the Falcons to the Jaguars, but remember he was suspended for having some gambling-type stuff while mm-hmm. he was at the Falcons. But you're going to add him – to those weapons in Jacksonville next year, that's just another big target for Trevor Lawrence in that offense next year. They, their defense is young. They're hungry. But for a team that's had, that had consecutive number one overall picks, they've got a lot of ta- lot of talent and a lot of young talent on that team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of young talent, a couple of guys who stepped up for their team with local ties. How about uh, Kierce? Or I guess Curse? Do we pronounce it Kierce or Curse? Yeah, Curse. Jaron Curse for the Cowboys. Cowboys, former Tiger safety. And uh, Mukwamu for the for the Cowboys, uh, playing good football for them, uh, and a former Gamecock. And he has gone on to the NFL. He's gone to the Cowboys, and he has stuck with them. He's given them some good play. They both had big moments uh, in that win over Tampa Bay on Monday night. So. Absolutely. And one more, too. This is not a small name, big name, Debo Samuel with the oh, 49ers. Yeah. I mean, he – He's one of the most electric players in the NFL right now, and seeing him in that offense out in San Fran, and now they have a, they added a Christian McCaffrey to that mix. I mean, that that's a scary offense. So we're looking at Jacksonville and Kansas City on Saturday in the AFC, and on Sunday, Cincinnati and Buffalo. And then the NFC, you got the Giants and the Eagles, and you got Dallas and San Francisco. So, first of all, one thing I've learned about the NFL playoffs over the years, I don't believe home field advantage is all that much when it comes to the NFL. Uh, The talent is so equal. The rules give you a chance, and you can go on the road. As we have seen time and again, you can go on the road, and you can get yourself a win. Uh, The Giants won on the road last week. Uh, The Cowboys won on the road last week. And um, let's see, Cincinnati was – they were home. They were home. Of course, Philly was off. Uh, Kansas City was off. Um, And so winning on the road in the NFL, I mean, yeah, you want to be home, obviously. That's the the ideal situation. But I I think it's become so even in the NFL that a decent team can go on the road in the playoffs and win and and not have to really sweat it out about being – Uh, the visiting team. However, um, and also, I don't know if the week off does you, and again, I'm looking at the history of the Packers here recently. I'm not so sure the week off does you a whole heck of a lot of good. Now, I mean, it gives you a chance to rest and all this, but look how many teams have had to play all the rounds who've made it to the Super Bowl. You know? I'll tell you this about Cincinnati, too. 
they are at this point we'll see what happens you know typically the super bowl loser kind of goes away the next year cincinnati has broken that myth this year by putting themselves right there now let's see what they do against buffalo this weekend Great point, and uh, they started off the year kind of rough. I don't have it in front of me, but I think they were one and three, give or take, to start the year two and four somewhere around there. And then they've they're on what a nine game winning streak right now. Cincinnati is. Joe Burrow has that offense humming. The defense has worked. Another another local guy, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst at tight end, former Gamecock, has has stepped in and been tremendous for the Bengals this year. Remember, he was a first round pick several years back for the Ravens. Never really quite worked out in Baltimore. He went to Atlanta. Was okay with the Falcons, but never anything from what I think his expectations were as a first-round draft pick and with what we saw here in Columbia with the Gamecocks. But he's found himself a nice home in Cincinnati, and he's been a big a big addition to that offense this year. And just one more note with the playoffs. NFC East, three of the, remaining, three of the four remaining NFC teams left in the playoffs come out of the East. You have the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who would have predicted that back in the preseason. If anything, the AFC West a lot of people were predicting was going to be the best division in football this year with the Broncos and their addition of Russell Wilson. Obviously, that went sideways in a hurry. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Raiders, people thought with the addition of Devontae Adams, they were going to be, and he had a tremendous season, don't get me wrong, but everything else in in Vegas seemed to go wrong. The Chargers limped into the playoffs, but they're there. But the AFC West, I think what a lot of people expected them to be, the NFC East turned out to be. You know, I wonder, the the NFL, it seems like, with this most recent expansion of the playoffs, the Super Wild Card Weekend this past year, and I guess we've had that what now a couple of years. Um, going back to COVID, I think that's when we went to this new format around the time of COVID. That Super Wild Card Weekend is working out fantastic. I mean, really, really good football. I hope they don't mess with the formula now. You know, I think they've got a good formula. Super Wild Card Weekend. Then it gets you down to the divisional round and then the uh, conference championship round and then the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think that is a great schedule for the NFL playoffs and, and also the fact that the uh, that Super Wild Card weekend spilled over to a Monday night was kind of cool too, having a playoff game on a Monday night. So I hope the NFL doesn't get too greedy. I mean, they've already extended the season to 17 games, 18 weeks, 17 games. I mean, how much more can you ask of these men and uh, of their bodies? How much more can you push them and push them and push them? So I hope that the powers that be there, the ownership, that they use some common sense here and realize they got a great thing. Uh, don't overdo it. Don't dilute it any further because it's at a good it's at a good place right now. I would say, and your um, your television ratings prove it. I mean, I think you've got just the right amount of playoff games for the appetite of the football fan. And the ratings were terrific last weekend. So I'd hang with what I've got right now for the NFL. So looking forward to the, to the NFL weekend coming up. Uh, let me see what I've got here from my revenge and avenge tour for this weekend. So don't care about the Jags and the chiefs got no, uh, not got no issues there. Uh, Giants and Eagles uh, going with the Eagles. Want to see the Eagles? Got a close family member who's an Eagles fan. So, and the Giants uh, knocked us out of the playoffs uh, a few years ago, so they deserve to go down. So, go with the Eagles. Uh, Bengals and Bills got no uh, argument there. 
So Cowboys 49ers got a real tough choice here. Uh, I think I would like to see the 49ers lose uh, this weekend because they beat the Packers last weekend. And then next weekend, <clears throat> when the Eagles and the Cowboys play for the championship, if my if my plan comes to fruition, then I'll take the Eagles to beat the Cowboys. So then all the teams that I hate for the reason that they beat the Packers at one time or another will be eliminated, and I'll feel good about things. Of course, the, the Eagles did as well. Uh, the Eagles converted, if I remember correctly, uh, fourth and 26 against the Packers in a playoff wow. game. Yeah, fourth and 26. All we had to do was knock it down. All you had to do was knock it down. You're going to win the ball game. Fourth and 26. Uh, but that's so so long ago. And uh, the fact that my uh, my last remaining aunt is a huge Eagles fan, that trumps uh, that anger over the Eagles' victory. Though she's never let me forget it. Okay, I hope uh, you're enjoying the playoffs and your uh, favorite team is still involved. Uh, Pat, you'll uh, hopefully eventually have a reason to uh, follow the playoffs. I don't know exactly when. Gosh, yeah, just a sad, tortured Panthers fan. But, <laughs> hey, we've reached Sean Payton, man. Go get Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton, and hey, the, uh, David Tepper is reportedly going to be interviewing Sean Payton in New York tomorrow. Uh, now, I think that makes five teams, I believe, that have that have interviewed or gotten permission from the Saints to interview Sean Payton. And you know, that's something I'm still confused about, Corn. So. Sean Payton is under contract with the Saints through 2024. So teams are essentially having to seek permission or get permission from the Saints to interview him. Mm -hmm. And then for a team like the Panthers to hire Sean Payton, they would have to trade. So it wouldn't be just, hey, we'll give you some money. But everything I've read is, is they're predicting a first round, maybe even a first and second round pick plus financial compensation to be able to hire him away. And, of course, being in the division, being a division rival – I would expect that price tag to go up. But where I'm confused is how is this different from if a player is under contract or a coach buys out of their contract? Like like if a college coach gets hired somewhere else to become their new head coach, isn't there usually some kind of contract buyout? Typically. And typically the team that he is going to, that program will arrange to pay his buyout as part of his deal. So it's not going to come out of his pocket. Okay. Now the coach's pocket. Typically, it's paid for by the school that's hiring them away. They work out <clears throat> they work out a deal with the other school or or just pay it flat out. So, I say typically, uh, a lot of times that happens. Maybe it's pretty typical, but yeah, that does exist for college coaches. Uh, in the case of the NFL, like you're pointing out, he's under contract because he left the Saints. He walked away from the Saints. They didn't right. fire him. Right. So he's still under contract to them. He still owes them another year. But I'm sure they'll get it worked out. These these millionaires and billionaires, they can figure it out when um, they've got a situation like this, and I'm sure they'll they'll get it done if the Panthers want to to go after him and bring him in. And why wouldn't they? You know, he's I guess probably the top free agent coach on the market uh, right now for the NFL. I would certainly think so. And then uh, while we're talking about that, though, how about Byron Leftwich being let go today? The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, who just last year reportedly turned down. Supposedly the Jaguars offered him the head coaching job before Doug Peterson. He turned it down some kind of – they couldn't quite get, to, get right at the nego negotiating table. But my point was he was sought after to be a head coach last year and now just one year later, after that horrible offensive line and just a mess that the Buccaneers' offense was, now he's out. 
shows you how quickly it can turn on you. Absolutely. And you better grab it while you can. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number here on Sports Talk. And we'll hit our break and come back with more as we continue to talk about things that are of interest and importance to us here on Sports Talk. And hopefully the same to you. And you can chime in as well. 888-898-2525 is the number. We'll be back after the break. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Back we are, Sports Talk, here on the Sports Talk Media Network, Thursday night edition. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel with you from the Dave and Buster Studios in Columbia. And if you want to join us, phone number 888-898-2525. Our poll question of the week, hopefully you've had a chance to vote on that. If not, there's still time until tomorrow. 419 votes are in, and this was Clemson-based. So you're a Clemson fan. You heard the news that Brandon Streeter was out as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach replaced by Garrett Riley. And what was your initial reaction? 38.7%. That's the majority. It's a slim majority. The reaction was happy days. Happy days are here again. 37% say Streeter being made a scapegoat. 15%. It's the players, dummy. Just get better players. Clemson has dropped off in terms of the talent in certain positions on offense. 9.3% 9.3% questioning, is he Chad Morris part two? Which is to mean, okay, he looked good at SMU, looked good at TCU, but can he come in here and do what Chad Morris did with his offense and his approach? 
he is you know, being treated kind of as the savior there of the Clemson football program for those who've been writing about him since he got there. They feel like he's going to come in and sort of wave a magical wand and make everything healthy again with the Clemson offense. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but there's certainly some areas on that offense where they've got to get better play. Start at quarterback. Is Cade Klubnick going to be able to raise the level of play at quarterback for an entire season? You, you've had limited viewing of him to this point, and I would say mixed results, some good, some bad when he had his one long exposure against North Carolina. I'm sorry, against Tennessee. Well, first against North Carolina. That was pretty long exposure when he came over, came in and took the game over. He played extremely well. And, and it looked like uh, everything was going to be fine. Then he goes and plays Tennessee, and he has some rough spots in the Orange Bowl, and he just can't get the Tigers in the end zone, and he has that breakdown right before the half, and that comes with being youthful and all this sort of stuff. Then again, then again, you would think a quarterback of his, um, of his background, you know, coming from a high school, a high-powered high school in Texas, having been on the team the entire season, having played some, would understand – time and down and distance in a situation like that. But I guess maybe he just kind of froze in, in the head there and and didn't think it clearly as, as that half uh, ended. So, I mean, Klubnik is, by all intents and purposes, considered to be a, a potentially good quarterback at Clemson. He's drawing some Heisman odds, as we pointed out earlier this week. Can he handle the job on a full-time basis and elevate the play from where it was in replacing DJ Uyangale, who did good things, just didn't do enough good things and didn't do them big enough. And he just didn't do it big enough to meet what Clemson needs at quarterback. And then there's, then there's the receiver position. How are they going to get better at wide receiver? Are the guys coming back going to be better? Are the guys that they're adding, are they going to improve the, uh, the position? I think that's the big question mark. And what happens with the tight ends? Uh, the air raid offense, by and large, uh, doesn't – they go with 10 personnel. They don't use a lot of tight ends ordinarily, though I do believe in in Riley's history running offenses at SMU and TCU, he did incorporate the tight end maybe a little bit more than you normally see in an air raid situation. But, I mean, Clemson's got a bevy of tight ends, and they're good tight ends. You can't leave them out of your formula. And um, so th those, I think, are the primary questions. Offensive line looks pretty good because everybody's coming back except for your left tackle. So everybody's coming back on the offensive line. That should be a strength. Uh, Thomas Austin going into his second full season coaching the offensive line had to be a learning experience for him. First time having the, the whole responsibility for the offensive line. That could make a difference. And then the running backs look good. I mean, Shipley, Maffa, who wouldn't want those two as your tandem at running back? So, so I mean, Pat, I think it but, – but this is a big element to the offense. If you're an air raid offense, you better have somebody who can throw it and somebody who can catch it. Absolutely, and I think, I think Garrett Riley would be, would be quick to correct you, though, and say that it's more of a smash-mouth air raid because TCU ran the ball quite a bit this year. They were not afraid to run the ball in first, second, or third down – uh, their leading back had 1,400 yards on the season. They had uh, two other guys around 500 yards uh, rushing on the season. So they certainly were not afraid to run the ball. 
And then also their quarterback was not afraid to run the ball. He had over 400 yards rushing on the season. I think what Clemson fans may be most excited about, and I'm totally with you, you need to temper your expectations a little bit, but I think what they're most excited about is just the Riley name and what they've done over the last seven or eight years with quarterbacks. Between Garrett Riley, most recently with Max Duggan at TCU, who, yes, he had been a three-year starter at TCU prior to Riley's arrival, but he actually lost his starting job last year. Uh, uh, Redshirt freshman Chandler Morris was actually named the week one starter against Colorado. It was just an injury that then thrust Duggan back into the starting role. And he ended up, what did he do with that opportunity? He had 32 touchdown passes to only eight interceptions on the season. He also added another, I don't have it in front of me, another five or six rushing touchdowns on the season. Uh, nine, excuse me, I have it here. He had nine rushing tar- touchdowns on the season, and he became a Heisman Trophy finalist. And now we look back at what uh, the older brother Lincoln Riley was able to do at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray winning back-to-back Heisman trophies. With Jalen Hurts, he was able to have him step up his passing game from what we saw Jalen Hurts at at, at Alabama to what he became at Oklahoma. And again, I know the Riley brothers are two separate people, but I think Clemson fans are just excited to see what this so-called quarterback whisperer can do (laughs) with a guy like Cade Klubnick, who was so highly regarded out of high school and showed last year flashes of brilliance. He also showed flashes of not-so-great times. Mm -hmm. But I think Clemson fans are just really excited to see what Garrett Riley can do with the development uh, of, uh, of the quarterback position there in Clemson. Well, you know, Garrett Riley also is stepping into a new circumstance for him. I mean, it's one thing uh, being the uh, OC at SMU, and it's another thing being the OC at TCU uh, compared to being the OC at Clemson, you know, where the the bar is set extremely high. And, look, if if they would fire one of their own for just not getting it done good enough, then, you know, you know you got to come in and deliver. Uh, plus, you know, your name is big and your contract is big. So there'll be pressure on him right from the get. And we'll see who the Tigers are assigned as their opening opponent. It could be somebody tough that might test them right out of the gate, or it might be a walkover again like Georgia Tech. We shall see. Top of the hour break. Mike Morgan is coming up. Plus recruiting. Welcome back to Sports Talk. On the Sports Talk Media Network, you can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Big Thursday night. Glad you're with us. If you're just tuning in, boy, you missed a scintillating first hour of the program. Won't attempt to recap everything that we talked about. We touched on college basketball. We talked touched on the NFL playoffs. We touched on college football. One college football note of importance and of interest around here. I'll pass it along uh, once again since we reported it in the first hour. You may or may not uh, have been with us. And that information, it's not a lot of detail here, but we were told by a source there was a meeting today, another meeting today involving USC folks and representatives, maybe attorneys of defensive end Trajan Jeffcoat, who's been trying to transfer from Missouri to South Carolina. Don't have any other details other than that there was conversation, meetings, whatever. I think the 
The important thing is, stand by one second, Pat, Mike just texts me, says that uh, he's he's ready to go. If you want to give him a call, go ahead and uh, round him up. Uh, so the, the, uh, the, the I think the, the only key thing we can pull from that information is that they're still talking. So there is st- stuff still going on. So it's not. Unless it unless it died today, it's it's not a dead issue yet, you know. And uh, also told that um, I mean, if things don't work out for South Carolina and Jeffcoat if he can't get in and play for the Gamecocks, I mean that'll be a big loss for South Carolina. I'm told that there are other major schools lining up ready to take him, such as uh, I think I was told Tennessee and I think Alabama was another one. Um, was I told Southern Cal? Maybe Southern Cal was another one that was mentioned to me. Uh, just uh, understand that he's he's got other places to go, but he wants to go to South Carolina to finish out his college career, hometown school, and and plus the opportunity of South Carolina is just a, a great one, the way uh, things are shaping up for their situation at defensive end. So thought I would share that with you. That's the latest that we've got, and if we hear anything more about it, we'll certainly uh, pass that along to you. Okay, it is time now here on this Thursday night for another edition of Morgan on the Move. You know, Mike's been everywhere. He was in Columbia last night. Nice seeing you, Mike. And Mike is brought to you by Brent Skinner, the leader in Columbia for the very best in men's clothing. Clients nationally have also come to know Brent, and he'll have you covered if you want to look your very best. Brent and his staff provide professional and individual attention to create a wardrobe that distinctly and identifies you from custom suits and shirts to the very best in shoes and accessories. It's all under one roof. If you can't make it to the Columbia store in the Vista, they'll be happy to come to you. Set up an appointment today at bpskinnercloviers.com. Okay, Mike joins us now. Did you get by and see a Brent Skinner while you're in town? Maybe pick up some new socks, some new shoes, maybe, uh, some jockey shorts, something like that, to make your uh, ride home more comfortable? Uh, Brent doesn't have jockeys. He's got uh, sacks, uh, <laughs> much more comfortable undergarment, uh, for the record. Uh, what makes you, them uh, more comfortable, Mike? What is it about that underwear that's more comfortable? It's a silky smooth texture that uh, provides the comfort and support that I think men of all statuses could certainly use. Now, you're a Fruit of the Loom guy, I understand. You're still in that 1972 guard. But for the rest of us that have kind of evolved, we uh, we go see Brent Skinner. There you go. That's great. Hey, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're, I think where you find the finest in underwear is where you can find the finest in <laughs> any level of clothing. It's got to start from He's the inside out. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You start from the inside out, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, you got you got the comfortable undershirts, and then you got the custom shirt, and then you got the custom jacket or suit, and then you're all set. Maybe pick up a nice hat. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Got to complete Scarf. the wardrobe. So uh, you yeah. were you were over last night to see the Gamecocks once again, and uh, Ole Miss uh, two nights ago. Yeah, what's today? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Tuesday, Tuesday. Ah, that's right. These yeah. Wednesdays, Tuesdays, they throw me off. You were there to see them, and. Um, uh, again, uh, Ole Miss wins their first SEC game. The Gamecocks are – they continue to struggle, and it, it looks pretty gloomy for them right now unless they can find a way to piece it together here all of a sudden. Well, again, I think it depends on <clears throat> what your expectations were going in. Uh, if, if you 
saw this season for what it was, which was uh, a new coach with a new roster. Uh, it, it's obviously building things from the ground up like a lot of other programs. I mean, I'm watching Arkansas one and five, and they've got the number one recruiting class in the country and a veteran coach coming off back-to-back elite eights. And then you've got Coach McMahon of LSU. They started off hot, and now they can't buy a win. Mississippi State has cooled off dramatically. Uh, Ole Miss is, as you mentioned, now one and five in league play, but uh, poor Kermit is, you know, taking a lot of heat uh, from his fan base because it, it's year five. So there, there's just some teams in this league that clearly have rosters that are not to the same level of your Tennessee, Alabama, who all have on Saturday against Missouri. Um, Alabama, to me, is as good a roster as there is in college basketball. In fact, I was going to ask you, how does a Noah Clowney get out of the state? From Dorman High School, you're right. Uh, and he was recruited by the in-state school some, as I recall. But he eventually narrowed down his decision. And I don't believe South Carolina or Clemson, I'd go back and check my notes, I, I don't think they factored in at the very end with him. Wow. And uh, just, you know, decided that he wanted to go somewhere else and is pay, paying off for him in a big way. And he was a really good player in South Carolina last year. Yeah, I mean, and that's – if you, if you want to know why South Carolina's made one one NCAA tournament in, you know, over 15 years, and uh, I realize Clemson's been there a little bit more with Brad Brownell, but you, you got to keep those players in state, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I understand if it's a Zion Williamson – that's harder. It's easier said than done, but it's the Noah Clownies of the world. Like that's the kind of kid. And maybe now with NIL, um, maybe that'll be easier to do. I don't. I don't know. But like with all the talk about Brandon Miller, who's going to be a, a top five pick, Noah Clowney's an outstanding player. And I had to take a double take when I was doing one of their games. Like, shoot, he's <laughs> he's a South Carolina kid. Mm-hmm. You know, how's he winding up in Tuscaloosa? And I see, I see a lot of that. Uh, you could probably do a whole show on that, but you, you, you're going to have to put up a fence around that border for uh, to, to make the next level. And I think Lamont Paris knows, first thing is first, to, to circle all the way back, they're going to have to hit the portal and hit it hard uh, in this offseason and then eventually hope that the recruiting comes around and then you've got the, the, the horses. But right now, if they don't have Michi and Gigi playing a good game and both had a bad one simultaneously – they're not beating many teams in this league. How do you see the matchup for them on Saturday against Auburn and Columbia? That's a problem. Um, I mean, look, you say, well, you, you beat Kentucky on the road, you can beat anybody in the league, right? Uh, but but Auburn is just a it's a tough matchup. They're, they're uber athletic. Uh, they always have good rim protectors. This year's no exception. They've got two guards, and if you catch them on the wrong night and they go off, it's it's going to be a long game. But, again, you can only worry about your own backyard right now. I mean, they'll scout and they'll go over things and practice, but if Michi and Gigi don't play better, and I imagine they will, then you don't have a shot because, you know, Hayden Brown's a nice option here and there, and he's a, a great lunch pail guy. But outside of those three, you're not getting points in many other places. Do you think and Auburn scores points? Yeah. Do you think the Gamecocks woke up the sleeping giant in Kentucky? They've won two in a row since that loss at home to South Carolina. Yeah. You think that kind of was the kind of kickstart that they needed to kind of shock to wake them up from whatever it was they were going through? 
Yeah, I do. I really do. I think that uh, I think sometimes you have to hit the low point in order to to really get it going. That loss at home. I mean, that's the thing. It was at Rupp. They don't lose games like that at Rupp. They weren't losing to anybody at Rupp, for that matter. Uh, that was a splash of uh, cold water in the face of of everybody in that program. Like, you better you better get this right, and you better start doing this better and that better. And that goes from Coach Cal on down. Uh, and for the last couple of games, they've played much better. You know, Mike, I don't think I've ever seen this. I was just looking at net rankings for the SEC. And South Carolina – net ranking after their loss the other night dropped them to 281 and they are by far and away the lowest ranked team in the net the next lowest ranked team in the net in the sec is lsu at 122 i mean i don't know that i've ever seen a 160 spot difference between the worst and the next worst i mean that's just such a divide between south carolina and the rest of the league if you go by the the net ranking yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to, <laughs> what to say about that other than they're off to a disappointing start. And yet they have wins against Clemson, tournament team. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, I think, will be a tournament team. That's true. Um, you know, so, uh, look, they, I, I don't I, – I think if you were realistic, I don't care who was coaching this, this roster, they were going to be some struggles, and that's what they've had, and that's probably what they're going to continue to have. They're going to pick up more wins. They're not going to finish 1-17. There's other wins out there in the league, but they're not going to be easy to pick up, that's for sure. You mentioned Clemson. I was up in Winston-Salem the other night to watch them. Same night you were in Columbia. That's why I appreciate the invite, but I couldn't take you up on it. I was on the road. So yeah, No problem. Yeah, okay. We'll catch you next time. So next uh, time. that was a good game. Winston, uh, uh, Wake Forest has got a good team. Uh, they got a good team. Steve Forbes does a really good job, and they got some shooters and some some size, but – First loss in the league for Clemson after their glorious 7-0 start in league play. So what do you make of the Tigers now? I mean, they played without their their starting point guard, who they hope to have back for the Virginia Tech game on Saturday. But do you think they have enough to hold it together and have a, a atypical Clemson finish where they win, they're going to play 20 league games, maybe win 15, 16 league games and finish among the best in the league, if not win it? I wish I knew the answer to that. I I don't think the ACC is uh, particularly full of great teams. I mean, North Carolina was supposed to be that great team. They haven't quite been that. Uh, Duke is, is, it's a new Duke team, obviously, with a new coach, and uh, their best talent is extremely young. And they're not a great team right now. NC State's not a great team. Uh, you mentioned Wake Forest. I had them here in Atlanta in a tournament, and they lost to LSU. And LSU can't beat anybody right now. Hmm. I, 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 I mean, it's uh, look. They're going to be in the tournament. They're playing for seeding, uh, and certainly they've they've got a chance at the ACC. But like you said, it's it's a twenty game grind. Twenty games uh, in conference. That's a lot. I, the SEC is kind of held. With 18 now, as a fan, it was up to me. It'd be 22, 24. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I yeah. love conference games. Mm-hmm. But coaches, <laughs> coaches know that uh, it does take its toll, and you got to be built for the long haul. I don't know if Clemson's the deepest team, but I really like their starting five. As you uh, scan the nation, uh, Houston back at at number one. Uh, 
What do you like about them? Have you had a chance to see them? I mean, from afar on television, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. are they really deep? Are they really talented? And, and, and I mean, I know they've been coming over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, Sasser's an all American, but I mean, really what, what they have, uh, with, with, with that coaching staff has, has built, they are the modern day Memphis during the Calipari years. Uh, with all due respect to the American Conference, and again, they're about to be in the Big 12, so mm-hmm. enjoy it while it lasts. But there, there's just nobody in the class of Houston, and there hasn't been the last couple of years. So it, it, it's it's like Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga gets the benefit of beating up on lesser teams throughout their conference slate. You don't get that in the SEC, ACC. Not taking away anything from Houston, it's a very good team. Uh, it's a it's a good program, and if you go back to the '80s, great tradition. But but I don't think that that there's a comparison there, and that you you have the ability to just run roughshod over almost everybody in your league, and nobody's doing that in the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten. It's it's just nearly impossible. And what do you have this weekend? Where can we find you? Alabama-Mizzou, oh. uh, as good a game as there is in the league. Yep. That'll be Saturday in Como, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern, I believe, 5 o'clock local. Uh, myself and uh, Damian Fishback will be on the call. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Missouri. Now, Missouri basketball, it's like they took a, a, a wake-up pill because they're actually showing up at their arena again. Uh, and when they do – Missouri has a, a, a really good environment for their games, but they've been so irrelevant for a while that it has not been a great home court advantage. And then combine that with the fact that Alabama has been the class of the league this year. I imagine a, a, a packed house, uh, a lot of spirit, a lot of juice in the building, and hopefully a great game. Especially um, coming off their win last night over Arkansas. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a come from behind in the last few minutes. They were one point down, I think it was 10 in the second half, and they just kept battling and battling. Uh, and that's the difference. You know, Coach Gates had a lot of players that he could bring over from Cleveland State that are that are quality players. I mean, their top scorer is a Cleveland State transfer. You know, that that's something that some of these other coaches, like a Todd Golden at Florida, like a Lamont Paris at, at Carolina, they, they didn't have that luxury. So uh, he's he's got, not to mention they returned one of the top bigs in the league and Kobe Brown. So he has a roster that right away you could tell, okay, these guys can compete. And some of the first year coaches in this league, you look at their top to bottom roster and it's like, okay, they're going to have a, they're going to have a rough go at it. Mm-hmm. Mike, as always, we appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. Talk to you next Thursday. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move here on sports talk. As always, Brought to you by Brent Skinner at Brent Skinner Clothiers in the Vista in Columbia. And when you go there, be sure to ask about the underwear that Mike likes to buy. Ask for Mike's underwear. And uh, (laughs) he did a great job describing the, the comfort he finds in that particular brand of underwear. Good for him. So we shall hit the break here on Sports Talk. Come back and give you the recruiting report. For this Thursday night. And then we'll open it up for some phone calls if you want to chime in. 888 898 is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on the program. 
Uh, Clemson women playing uh, Notre Dame as we speak. And the Tigers are leading 12-10 first half over at Little John. We'll update some other scores when we come back as well. Be back in a moment. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Okay, let's dive into the recruiting report brought to you by Seawells. Tomorrow's a big day at Seawells. I think I may have to get out there. It's a roast beef Friday, is it not? You want to confirm that? Is it confirmed as a roast beef Friday? Oh, it is. And I'll be back there for the second day in a row. Made it today. Oh. Had a full plate of Well, this the- will be the third time this week, right? If you go again? It will. Went Tuesday as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, eh, might have a problem. But, um, yeah, today was the carved beef brisket, which was outstanding, along with fried chicken and fried pork chops. Tomorrow, roast beef Friday. Mm. RBF. Carved roasted sirloin of beef, along with southern fried chicken and fried fish nuggets, which are outstanding. Yeah, that is one heck of a menu, one heck of a buffet, and that's just Friday alone. I mean, there are many, many other days of the week, like four others, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that are also, as Pat pointed out, had a great meal today. So make sure you make plans to get over there tomorrow, if not tomorrow, uh, someday next week, 11 to 2, for the best buffet you'll find anywhere. For only $13, and for the best in the catering business, you want to give Seawells a call as well. They'll come to your location or host at their venue on Rosewood Drive. Phone number is 803-771-7385, SeawellsCateringSC.com. So, checked in on Greenville High offensive guard Blake Franks, 65310. He's just a few weeks away from making the call, definitely looking like Clemson and South Carolina are the two. He was at Clemson last Saturday for the basketball game. He's going to USC this weekend for their junior day. He will return to Clemson on January 28th for their junior day. Told us that right now those two are standing out the most. They're definitely the top two. Last Saturday, he was at Little John Coliseum watching the basketball team beat Duke. He met with offensive line coach Thomas Austin, uh, senior director of recruiting uh, Jordan Sorrells, himself a Greenville High School grad, talked with them a good bit, as well as he met the new offensive coordinator, 
Garrett Riley. Met him for the first time. Really enjoyed talking to him, he said. Really enjoyed talking to Austin and learning more about him away from football. So Clemson, of course, uh, very strong on his mind. And he talked to Cade Klubnick. He talked to Josh Sapp, his former high school teammate. Learned more about life at Clemson as a student. He'll learn more next week. Meantime, South Carolina, they're on him hard as well. Shane Beamer and uh, several Gamecock coaches were in to uh, see him. Couldn't meet with him, but was there at the school on uh, Wednesday. And they'll get a chance to visit with him and his mother and his stepfather and his niece. He's going to come in on Saturday and stay over until Sunday. So he's going to have an extended stay in Columbia. And on Wednesday, uh, Beamer and Lonnie Teasley and Justin Stepp were all at his school, along with uh, Dowell Loggins. Of course, Stepp was there as well to check on Mazio Bennett, the wide receiver. He said he couldn't talk to him, of course, but was able to you know, say hey to him as they walked down the hallway. You know how that goes. And he said um, the homey vibe is how he put it from South Carolina. Uh, he likes most of the staff. Same for Clemson. Uh, he said um, he likes that they're building a, a football program, how they're building it. Uh, he likes the idea of playing in the SEC. He's looking at sometime in mid-February for a commitment announcement, and he realizes it's going to be tough between the Tigers and the Gamecocks and anyone else who might jump in there. Um a lot of pluses, he said, when it comes to South Carolina. A lot of pluses when it comes to Clemson. And he thinks uh, if he came down to those two schools, that'd be fine. But there are other schools that are still interested. He said Auburn, uh, the coach, offensive line coach there, Jake Thornton, still talks to him a lot, trying to get him to come down for a visit. And he's just not sure he can squeeze that in because this weekend, next weekend, are taken up. And... At one point, he had a short list of Clemson, USC, Florida, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Miami, Alabama, and Florida State. So he had some big-time quality offers. Defensive end Cameron Fountain, 6'6", 235. Atlanta will be at USC this weekend. 2025 corner Zade Rogan, 5'10", 163 of Marietta, Georgia, will be at USC Saturday. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter said he'll be at USC Saturday. He also was offered by East Carolina. And... Offensive tackle Marcus Maskell, 6'5", 280, Snellville, Georgia, plans to be at USC this weekend. He's the brother of Clemson defensive end Justin Maskell. USC offered defensive tackle Cameron Beavers, 6'4", 323, of Bay Springs, Mississippi. I mean, let's face it, he should go to Oregon State, right? Cameron Beavers playing for the Beavers? Ah, yeah. Perfect fit. Uh, Gamecocks offered athlete Harry Dalton, six feet two oh five, Dinwiddie, Virginia. He plays quarterback in high school. USC and Clemson target defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler will visit Michigan this weekend. Coastal Carolina picked up a transfer from Notre Dame, tied in Kane Barong, who I recall as being a very highly touted player coming out of high school back in the day. And we'll be back with a little bit more after the break. Yeah. 
Open lines, 888-898-2525. Feel free to jump on board on this Thursday night or don't, which most of you have chosen. Well, not most of you. Every single one of you have chosen that route tonight, and that's okay. Less of you, more of us. More recruiting. Wrapping up the recruiting report. Offensive tackle Malachi Tolliver of Cartersville, Georgia, plans to be at USC Saturday. Defensive back Kay Sanders of Oradell, New Jersey, plans to be at USC Saturday. Defensive end tight end Patrick Swiger to Batesburg-Leesville, plans to be at USC Saturday. He has a PWO offer from the Gamecocks. Greenville wide receiver Mazio Bennett will visit Miami this weekend and Florida State next weekend. He was at Alabama last weekend. Gamecocks offered athlete Harry Dalton of Dinwiddie, Virginia. I think I mentioned that. Plays quarterback. Gamecocks offered defensive tackle Melvin Hill, 6'4", 255, Lafayette, Louisiana. Gamecocks offered 2025 linebacker Kamar Archie, 6'1", 215, Trenton, New Jersey. Dillon offensive tackle Josiah Thompson was offered by Virginia Tech. Kirby Smart was in Dillon today, repping Georgia. Northwestern running back Turbo Richard was offered by Marshall. And Coastal Carolina landed a transfer from Notre Dame. Tied in Kane Barong from Hartwell, Georgia, one of the top-rated tight ends in his high school class. In fact, Clemson recruited him pretty hard coming out of high school a few years ago, and he's transferring now to Coastal Carolina. That is a, at least on paper, that's a heck of a pickup for the Shauna Clears, and Grayson McCall will be happy about that. Give him one big-time target uh, to throw to for next season, along with the others. That a completes the recruiting report for tonight here on Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow along on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Pat? Just one more quick note. We want to make sure we got out there. Eric J. Phoenix, uh, Benedict star quarterback this year who led the Tigers to an undefeated season and SIAC football championship title, has entered the NCAA transfer portal today. Mm. He put that in writing today saying, quote, I decided to enter my name in the transfer portal as a graduate transfer for the 2023 season. So best of luck to him. This past year, he had 233 rushing yards to go along with 2,051 passing yards. 15 touchdowns and six interceptions. Yeah, he was quite the player for Benedict, quite the player for them. And, I mean, you know, I, that's what we were talking about earlier with Chris, and that is you develop a player, you help him get really, really good at that level, and then, you know, is there some tampering going on here? Somebody getting his ear, maybe somebody in his family, maybe somebody from his high school past or whatever, and say, hey, man, you know, maybe uh, a school went through those back channels to get the word to him. It's got to be frustrating for a coaching staff at the Division II level. Well, look, the Gamecocks are taking a transfer from Newberry. You don't think that's frustrating for the coaching staff over there to have a terrific player like Mario Anderson to develop at Newberry and show his stuff and then have him up and leave? And I get the desire of the players at that level to want to play up at a higher level. I mean, I, I understand that. Uh, but I also understand there's something called loyalty and there's something called um, playing for your school and playing for your for your team. 
I mean, I'm wondering with some of these guys, like when you play three or four years at a school, you might even graduate from there, and then you transfer somewhere else. Uh, I mean, what's your school? What what? As you move on through life, where do you claim to be from? Maybe you'll be like those guys in the NFL when they introduce a starting lineup on television and they say, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't claim to be from the University of California. He claims Butte Junior College, you know, or some guys name their high school. They don't claim their college. Maybe it's not important to them, you know. Maybe it's not important to them. I mean, it's it's there. It's available. You can do it right now without penalty at least one time supposedly and guys are taking advantage of that opportunity and i get that okay i understand the desire to do that i just feel bad i mean even though south carolina is happy to have mario anderson feel bad for newberry and I'm, I'm sure you know i'm sure they probably suck it up and understand when a kid gets an opportunity to go and play in the sec after playing in the South Atlantic Conference, that you kind of pat him on the back, wish him well, and go on to the next guy. But selfishly, too, you know, Coach Knight's got to think about his own team and how good they would have been next year after having two great seasons back-to-back, how good they would have been next year to have Mario Anderson back in that in that backfield. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things you, you have to get used to is – taking me a little bit of time. You have to say, Pat, I've come around a long way being a little more, no, I'd say a lot more accepting about the ways of today's college athletics. You most certainly have, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you proud of you for that. In fact, I deserve a <laughs> pat on the back and an, that a boy. That a boy, Phil. Proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking you down bit by bit. But uh, no, I tease. But no, it's 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 fine, and we can all have our disagreements on this. And um, I certainly get that. I mean, loyalty is... You can never – loyalty is an extremely important quality. It's a very important quality in all facets of life, whether it's sports, whether it's work, whether it's family, whatever. Um, so I, I certainly respect that as well. Um, with this particular – I like to look at things case by case. With this particular case with Eric Phoenix, he, the key words there is he's entering as a grad transfer. So if I'm understanding that correctly, he graduated from Benedict College. He got his degree – he was, a, he was a starter there multiple years. Yes, only one under one season under the new coach, if I'm saying that correctly. But still, he fulfilled his obligations there. He did graduate, and now maybe he just wants to get a slightly, slightly bigger opportunity somewhere else. Um, I don't know enough information for where he might be looking, so I certainly don't want don't to speak incorrectly, but um, I would feel safe in the, with the assumption that he at least is maybe trying to take a slight step up from Benedict and and see how he matches up against some some even higher, better competition. Well, you know, the, the grad transfer thing, I mean, I get that. Maybe he wants to study something that he can't get at Benedict. Does, does Benedict even have graduate studies? I, I don't know. Good that question. Might, that know. might be a yeah, – so that's totally understandable in that situation. So, um, anyway, that's just something that you, you've got to get used to, and I'm trying to get there. Uh, something we are used to is South Carolina women mopping up other SEC teams. 45 to 17, they lead Vanderbilt at the half. Ooh. Yeah. And it, obviously, it's it's that ugly. It was um, 18 to 9 at the end of the quarter. And then the Gamecocks outscored them 27 to 8 in the second quarter. Uh, let's see what Vandy shot in the second quarter. Uh, six of 27, while the Gamecocks shot 
that's got to be for the first half. For the first half, Vandy shot 6 of 27. The Gamecocks shot 21 of 36. In the second quarter, Vandy was 2 of 13, while the Gamecocks were 13 of 21. They had 14 rebounds in the second quarter, did the Gamecocks to 5 for Vanderbilt. So just doing their thing on the road in Nashville. This used to be a tough game. Vanderbilt used to be used to be good, but um, not right now. Gamecocks have balanced scoring. Uh, Boston's got eight and five rebounds. Cardoso's got six rebounds, four points. Beal's got seven points. Fletcher, eight points and four rebounds. Cook has six points and two rebounds and one assist. Watkins has four. Saxton has four. Uh, Johnson has four. <clears throat> I said the Gamecocks are shooting 58%. They've out-rebounded Vanderbilt 25-11, to 11, and uh, they have 10 offensive rebounds, 14 second-chance points to zero for Vanderbilt, 14 to nothing in that category. And the Gamecocks have a dozen points off the bench and, of course, in the paint, outscoring Vanderbilt 30-8. to eight. That's incredible. It just Coach Don Staley cannot say enough, and I just really do hope Gamecock fans out there appreciate how special this team is and this run that this program is having right now. And and I just can't help but but wonder, I say this slightly tongue-in-cheek, but mostly serious, how does she keep her players motivated throughout the season? I mean, they are just, when you're just beating the snot out of teams every which way. I don't really like that word in describing Pardon me. It's kind of gross, to be honest. <laughs> Can we use something else? I'm getting over the flu, getting over being sick. I guess it's just still in my mind. My right. apologies to our listeners. But, yes, when you're able to just dominate every facet of the game like her team is able to do, it's just it's remarkable to watch, and it's remarkable to see the way that she is able to get her players motivated mm-hmm. night in and night out. It would be very easy for them to take a night off against a team like Vanderbilt where they essentially could just line up their players and come out and go through the motions and probably still win by 20. But they're coming out, and they are dominating. I mean, you just read through the stats. They are dominating every facet of the ball game. And she's come out, and they've played five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've played 11 players so far in the first half, and they're all contributing. It's not just the starters, but even players coming off the bench are contributing in some way. And so much of sports is about effort. We talk about on the men's side just how much of – of rebounding and things of that nature are just effort, just diving for the loose balls. And for her to have her team motivated night in and night out like this really is remarkable. Yes, I could not say that any better than you did. Everything you said, I just say ditto to. Uh, Now, other basketball tonight, let's check it out. At the half, the Clemson women leading Notre Dame 29-26. Clemson women going for their 13th win of the season. It's uh, UNC Greensboro leading the Citadel. It is a score of 35-18 to 18 with 114 to go in the first half, 35-18 Greensboro. Let's check on Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, and Conway. It's a good one, 36-36, make that 39-37, two seconds to go in the half. 39-37, Appalachian is leading Coastal Carolina with two ticks of the clock to go in the half, and... I'm sure that Mr. Bergen has a great call going on that one. Let's check on College of Charleston playing up at Monmouth. Oh, no. Yeah, the case of you never know, 27-21 the Hawks. 
They are 1-17, and winless in the league. They're playing the 18th-ranked team in the country, and right now they are up 27-21 with 152 to go in the opening half. So You know what's happening there, Phil? They're on the road. They're without their secret weapon, the Cougars. They're without no Sam? Friend, of the, friend of the program, Sam. Sam's not there. He, he's told us he's been a team manager there for a number of years now, and they, they could use some of his services on the sideline, it looks like. Should have flown him up there. Absolutely. You know? What else? We got uh, Michigan State leading Rutgers. Rutgers is ranked, uh, what, 23rd this week? It's 41-37 Michigan State in the second half. Purdue is all over Minnesota late in the first half. 27 to 9 Wichita State on top of Memphis 22-15 in the first half and when I think of Wichita State of course I'm thinking about thinking about their coach and their former coach of course um and when he's going to pop up again on the coaching scene you know I, I you got to believe at some point in time that he's going to have an opportunity to uh, get back on a bench somewhere. Um, I mean, I don't know how many years it's going to be that he's got to got to got to sit out. I don't know if he's in South Carolina. I know he has property uh, down in the Pawnee's Island area, and um, just wondering when he's going to have a chance to to coach again, or maybe that door has been closed because of the way things. Uh, wrapped up for him at Wichita State. Um, talking about um, uh, Greg Marshall, of course, and you just wonder about when he's going to get that opportunity to coach somewhere again. Great record, um, but things did not end well for him at Wichita State, and uh, you just you wonder if somebody's going to give him a chance to coach somewhere again in the future. I mean, it was a very in 2020 when he resigned misconduct probe and verbal abuse, physical abuse, all that kind of stuff that was uh, alleged against him uh, back then. So, well, this doesn't really help. I just was curious and Googled, where is Greg Marshall now? And the official result I'm seeing from Google is uh, Greg Marshall's current whereabouts are unknown. The former, <laughs> the former coach has been living his life away from the prying eyes of the public since his resignation as head coach of Wichita State. Well, he has property at Pauley's Island. He's got a got a big house down there, so maybe he's tucked away at Pauley's Island. You could be in a lot worse places, Absolutely. I can tell you that. Absolutely. To get away from everybody, that's a great place Kick to be. Kick your feet up, relax for a little bit, recharge the batteries. The sad part is, the sad part is, he's a terrific X's and O's guy. I mean, he knows how to coach the game of basketball. Maybe somewhere along the line he forgot how to coach people, but he knows how to coach the game of basketball, you know. And you can't do one without the other, obviously. So maybe this time away will give him a chance to to get it all straight if he wants to come back and coach. I, I guess financially he's in a situation where he doesn't have to, but uh, I got to believe deep down inside there's that burning desire to uh, to coach again. You know, the ego and – Get back out there and prove to everybody that you can coach and that you can deal with people and deal with your players in an appropriate way. Okay, we're going to hit a break here on Sports Talk. Come back and wrap things up. Your last opportunity to break the scoreless streak tonight on Sports Talk. We're being shut out. Your chance to break through after this timeout. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. All right, we are back with you. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Approaching the final minutes of the show and seeing in recruiting here <laughs> that uh, Dion has struck again. Looks like uh, big-time cornerback Kermani McLean has flipped his commitment from Miami to Colorado. So <laughs> getting it done, Dion. Getting it done. I can't imagine the NIL dollars. Well, wait a minute. You're going to outbid Miami? For a big time prospect, I I'd like to know, like to be a fly on the wall of the uh, of the negotiators for that deal. You know, maybe the deal. Well, that's that's at Florida. I mean, the deal that fell apart for the quarterback at Florida, and we're talking thirteen million has been reported. We've seen a report of eight million dollars for the quarterback who's going to Tennessee, and um, boy, I wonder how much money uh, the Colorado folks. Dion and company were able to come up with for this guy. And this is the second year in a row that Dion was able to flip the number one ranked uh, cornerback recruit in the country. Remember, so this year it was Miami commit Cormani McLean. He did not sign his national letter of intent, which had some people scratching their heads back in December. Mm -hmm. But then remember last year you had Travis Hunter, who was the number one overall recruit. I know you're not big into those rankings, but, he was, okay. the, but he was the number one ranked recruit. Yeah, he was. And he was, I believe, committed to, was it Florida State? Florida State. And then he flipped to go to to go to go Jackson State. So that's back-to-back -back years he's been able to pluck these guys out of the state of Florida and bring them to play for him. Well, it's going to be uh, fun to watch. Now, they have one heck of a schedule at Colorado. Go look at their schedule. I saw that today. They play TCU. They play UCLA. They, they've got some real tough games early on their schedule. They're going to be tested out of the gate. So we'll see. And, and of course, this, this is a roster at Colorado that's being totally remade through the transfer portal because he told the returning players, you might as well get out because I'm bringing better players in, in his opinion. I'm bringing better players in. You might as well go ahead and hit the portal and get out of here 
because I'm bringing in better players. You got that schedule in front of you? I do, and you're right. It is daunting right out of the gate. They open up at TCU, and I'm not sure we mentioned yet, uh, TCU today hired Bryles, the mm-hmm. offense coordinator from Arkansas, to be their new new offense coordinator. That's, that's quite a hire there. Then they play Nebraska, and look, I get it, Nebraska's been down, but Matt Rule has, has quite a history of bringing up programs and doing it in a hurry. And they just got Arik Gilbert. They did for Georgia, was and Georgia, LSU, LSU and back to Georgia. Now going to Nebraska. Yeah, and uh, then they have oh Colorado State, not great at Oregon. That's tough. Then they have Southern Cal, and that's all in the month of September. So TCU, Nebraska, Colorado, Oregon, Southern Cal, all in the month of September. I mean, that's that's a daunting start. Then Arizona State, Stanford. That's not as bad. Then they go to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA uh, just before Halloween. And UCLA, I mean, everything that I've seen from them, Chip Kelly's got them going in the right direction. They'll probably be a preseason top 10, give or take, top 10, top 15 team. Then Oregon State, who has the addition of uh, DJ Uyunglele, and his brother will be out there as well. That seems like quite a quite a program they have at Oregon State. No, his brother's going to Oregon, I think. Oh, my apologies. I that's thought he okay. was joining. I thought they were yeah. joining up. No. Um, so so that, 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 that's quite – and then they – oh, wow. Then at the end of the season, they travel to Utah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different Ooh. from Jackson State to what he's stepping into. And, I mean, how good a coach is Dion? I know he's a great motiv- motivator. I know he's a great talker and a great salesman. And at Jackson State, he he dominated his league for how many years was he there? Two years? Was it just two years? Was it just two years? They went to the Celebration Bowl, I know, twice. Was he only there for two years or was he there for three years? He dominated while he was there. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was three years, three 2020 years. through 2022. Yeah. And 2020 was the COVID year. So everything was messed up there. Um, but this is a whole new ball game now. And I know he's put together a pretty good, a pretty good staff. He's brought in a bunch of veteran coaches to work with them. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a show out there at Colorado. Um, he's bringing in his son to be the starting quarterback. And I think that, uh, did Shiloh transfer there as well, the safety, who was at South Carolina? He might have transferred there as well. Um, so it's it's going to be a basically a totally new two deep and a totally new roster for Colorado. But um, yeah, they face a real tough schedule going into the season. They might be looking at like one in five after the first six weeks or so. Yeah, that, that's six teams that were ranked at the end of this past season that are on their upcoming schedule. Okay, so – a complete shutout tonight. We thank you for that. Let's update the uh, basketball scores as we as we bid adieu on this Thursday night. Basketball update the South Carolina women, 45-17. to 17. The Gamecocks are uh, leading as they're just underway in the second half. That was the score at halftime, 45-17. to 17. And the Gamecocks have scored, so they go up 47-17 to 17 in the third quarter early on. And uh, let's update some of the other Scores up Maryland leading Michigan at the half, 34-32. Update on the Clemson women and Notre Dame over at the Little John. Uh, still at the half, 29-26. Clemson is leading there. Uh, Citadel and UNC Greensboro, 38-22 at the half. Favor of the Spartans. So the Bulldogs have their work cut out for them. Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, they are at the half. Happy Appy is up 39-38 on the Chanticleers. And Michigan State leads Rutgers 
45-41. Purdue is thrashing Minnesota 31-12, and Memphis has a 36-30 lead on Wichita State at the half. That will do it for tonight. Appreciate you being with us in whatever form you were. We'll be back here tomorrow night to put a big wrap on the week with our Friday night show. And we'll have post-game coverage for you, by the way, USC Women, on our website, sportstalksc.com. So check that out later on tonight. Thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.